here. It's good to see you online. I don't know who's there, but I trust that you are. This morning, we're going to be talking about what really matters. You know, and I can't help, you may be like me, where you look at what's going on in the world and like, you see the wildfires out in the the Pacific Northwest. Could you imagine if your home just got destroyed? Maybe your business got destroyed by, like, you had nothing to do with this, but there's all of a sudden a wildfire that comes through and now everything is gone. What if you were leaving here today and you go home and your home's not there? Like that's life altering, right? I, I think about what, what happens in Haiti, life altering, what's going on in Afghanistan, right? Life altering. When, whenever I see stuff like that, I'm like, what is it that really matters in life? Is it my home? Is it my work? Is like, what are the things at the core that really matter? You know, and I come back to this statement on the wall here that about know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. Jesus is all that matters in this life. And, and God's prayer is that all of us would come to find him, that we would know who he is as savior, as Lord, as friend, that, that as we come to him, we'd find freedom in, in who he is. Freedom from our past, freedom from the chains that bind us, freedom, freedom from the things that hold us back. And then we would discover purpose, not just purpose for ourselves and what God has created us for, but purpose that we would be able to go out and make a difference. Right, so this is the Shiloh vision. We've had a class uh, pre-COVID called Growth Track. That it was four four uh, classes in a row that we talked about this vision. We talked about how do we engage, how do we discover our purpose, and we're going to be starting that back up again in October. I just wanted to let you know. So a little bit of a of a public service announcement there. But you know, when I consider what really matters, I I look at all these things. And I was reading the other day in Psalm 100, and God just spoke to me. I, I want to just Bring you some fresh bread this morning. Um, Let's read Psalm 100 together. It says this, Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Father God, I I thank you for your word. Lord, I pray your Holy Spirit just takes your word and and lets it sink deep into our hearts today. God, we ask Holy Spirit that you move in our midst. We say, come Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to focus this morning just on verses four and five. I don't know if you've ever read these verses before. They're verses that are very comfortable to me because I used to go to a church where right as you walked in the door, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, right? And, and maybe you've heard that comment or, or those verses before. But sometimes when we study the word of God, it's helpful. I don't know if you've ever done this, but I like to go back to what does it say in the original Hebrew for the Old Testament or the original Greek for the New Testament? And, and you may like, Greg, do you know Hebrew Greek? No, I don't. But like there's so many different applications. And, I, and I've got an app on my phone called the Strong's Concordance. If you've never heard of it, it's, it's a way to look up any verse in the Bible. And they call it exhaustive because it's got every verse in the Bible and every word in the Bible. You can look it up like even the. There's pages of the every time the is used in the Bible, right? But it, it also allows you to go back to, all right, what was the Hebrew word for enter? And what does that mean? And, and as I went and looked at that, I found this, that the word enter means to come, to bring in, to gather, to lead in. 
gates is, is coming into a city or a town or even heaven. And thanksgiving is give praise or sing hymns of worship. So if I put it all together, God's giving us an open invitation. It's an open invitation to his presence. But how many of you have ever had an open invitation maybe to, to go swim in someone else's pool or to come to their lake house? Have you ever gone? Have you done it? What, what is it? Oh, you know what? They, I know they said it, but maybe they didn't mean it. I, I'm not really, I can't just show up. You know? and we have all these excuses. And I think sometimes we approach coming into God's presence with the same excuse. I, I know he invited me in. I, I know it's an open invitation, but... Just not today. It's not going to work out. It's not going to fit into my plans. Like, don't, don't we make those excuses at times about coming into his presence? And then when I read it, it's, it's like, okay, he says to come into his presence. But what do we do when we get there? Enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know, and if I think back to some of my times of entering in his presence, the other morning when I was reading this scripture, I was coming into his presence and I was vomiting on him, right? Have you ever had someone do that to you where they just like tell you all the things that are going on and, and they're describing all their problems and, and everything. And then when you're done, they're like, good talk. And they leave. And you're like, uh, did we have a talk? You just kind of talked at me. It wasn't really that we had a conversation. But that's why God says, hey, come into my presence with thanksgiving. And, and I realized, God, I'm not coming with thanksgiving. I'm coming with all my needs. I'm coming with my issues. I'm coming with my concerns, my burdens. And I'm saying, God, help. And God's like, I know all that, Greg. But I want you to come with thanksgiving. That's how you enter my presence. And then he says, go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You know, and I, and I just got brought back to a memory of, of growing up when my grandmother would come. She was in a, my Italian grandmother. She was born in Italy, and, and uh, she, her love language was cooking, right? She loved to make amazing food, right? Spaghetti from scratch, whatever it was, it was just delicious. And we would come to the table, and she'd always go, manja, manja. I don't know why one wasn't enough. You had to say it twice, right? Um, but she would encourage us to eat. That's, that's eat in Italian. Meg knows how I'm such an Italian, right? She makes fun of me sometimes for how little I know about my heritage. But um, anyway, Nani would always say, manja, manja, right? And encourage us to eat. You'd eat the meal, and then dessert would come out. And it's like, Nani, why didn't you tell us that you made this dessert? And she would just make these incredibly delicious desserts, but you're already so full from eating. And she'd go, manja, manja, like, oh, okay, I'll eat some more. And I'm like, that's the way it was, right? So it was as much of an encouragement as it was an instruction, Right? And, but it was from her heart and you knew it was from her heart. And I think God says the same thing to us. It's as much of an encouragement to come into his presence as it is an instruction. That, hey, like, I know what you're going through. Come into my presence. I, I, I want so desperately to come in with you. Come into my presence with thanksgiving. Not just with all your needs, with thanksgiving. Go into his courts with praise. Think of Noni saying, Manja, come, go. And it's something that we do deliberately, right, to come into his presence. But as, as I thought about the application of how do we go into God's presence, I think some of us are in this left-hand picture where coming into God's presence looks very formal. Like it's this whole bunch of stairs and rituals and things we've got to do and say and be. And, and I don't know that God ever intended it for it to be that way. That Like that's a, a picture of, of some museum in Paris, right? Doesn't it grand and... But coming into God's presence doesn't, it is grand, 
But it doesn't have to be so laborious, right? The, the right side picture is just a very simple kitchen transition into a family room. So have you ever been in your kitchen and dinner's over and you decide, hey, I'm going to go into the family room now, now. Did you just magically float into the family room? No, probably not, right? You had to intentionally say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to move into the other room. There was an action of, of deliberation, of intention. And then maybe there was some preparation, like you turn the lights on as you walked in the living room, right? Instead of sitting in the dark. Maybe if it's cold, you grabbed a blanket, right? There's, there's some kind of preparation that you do to have a time now in the living room versus the kitchen. You don't need your blanket in the kitchen. And I think there's something that God has for us both personally and corporately as we enter into worship and as we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise that it doesn't have to be this, this so formal experience that like... Uh, God, I know it's an open invitation, but just not today. I can't do it. Oh, you just want me to move from the kitchen to the, to the family room? I can do that. Right? And, and there's a time where for all of us, it, it could be as simple as you're driving in your car and you're entering into worship. You're doing the dishes. You put on some worship music. You're changing a diaper. For me, when I worked at Intel, I was walking from one meeting to another because it seemed my whole day. I'm just going meeting, 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 meeting. You know what? I have that walking time from one building to another. I could just commune with God. I, I could open up my heart to him. It can be that simple. And it can be that meaningful that God, like he wants us to come into his presence. What about corporate worship? That's the personal side of worship. What about corporate worship? We're coming together on a Sunday morning. Next week, one service, which will be amazing because there'll be so many more people. You're going to feel the presence of God more just because there's more people bringing the presence of God with them as they come. It's not that the presence of God is here, but he inhabits the praises of his people. And when we get together and we start to praise him, we're going to feel his presence in a, in a more dramatic way. I, I know for those of you that are online, it's hard sometimes to be online and to enter in. I've kind of sat in my chair like, do I stand up? Do I sing? I, I'm not going to sing. Is anyone else in my family singing? It's just, it's weird, right? And, and then you're kind of watching this thing happen and you're not really sure. Like, do I sing with it? What do I do? Keep trying. It's hard. Someday I hope you can be back with us in person as well. But there is a, an element to worship that's personal and also worship that's corporate. So why do we worship the Lord? I believe verse 5 tells us that it says, For the Lord is good, his unfailing love continues forever, and his faithfulness continues to each generation. Like, aren't those three reasons to worship the Lord? Right, Because he's so good and his unfailing love continues forever and his faithfulness continues to each generation. But now let's get honest for a second. How many of you, you know those scriptures, you know that, you've heard that, and now you started to see, okay, I, I wanna, God, I want to come into your presence, but there's, the enemy comes with a lie to each one of us. And he'll come and test these three points in our lives. Because this is what John 10 says, 1010 says that Jesus came that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And the the enemy comes to what? To rob, kill, and to destroy. So even in this place of worship that God invites us into and he wants us to to be with him, the enemy's going to come and talk about why you can't enter that place. So here's, here's just some examples from my own life about what the enemy has said to me. Right? The Lord is good. I know God is good. I've seen God's goodness in my life. And then as I've shared here before, a year ago, my sister told me she had pancreatic cancer. You know what? That day, I'm like, God, you're good, but this is awful. This is, 
People die from pancreatic cancer. God, how, how, does, how do I reconcile these two? And you may be here today saying, I know the Lord is good, but what I'm going through right now is not good. I get it. I get it. But see, the enemy always comes like he did in the Garden of Eden with the same lie. Did God really say that you shouldn't eat that fruit? Did, did God really say he's good? But look at what you're going through. How can you call him good? You know what? I had to come into his presence. I had to give him praise like, God, you own my, my sister's life is in your hands. And you know what? She's walking cancer-free today, only by a miracle of God. But God is good. God is good. His unfailing love endures forever. I know that his unfailing love endures forever. But have you ever had that, the whisper of the enemy in your ear saying, you just did what? And you call yourself a Christian? Like, you're not worthy of God's love. You just messed up in such a huge way. How could you even do what you're doing and call yourself a Christian? I've heard that. I know you've probably heard that before. And see, the enemy always comes with a little bit of truth. No, I'm not worthy. I'm not. I do mess up. He's right. But see, God doesn't look at my mess up and choose if he's going to love me or not. His love is unfailing. It endures forever. So I, I need to, I can't listen to what the enemy is because the enemy is going to try to steal my praise for God. I've got to look at what the word of God says and say, God, these are, this is why I'm praising you because your unfailing love, it does. It lasts forever. His faithfulness continues to each generation. I have seen God's faithfulness in the generations in my life. But you know what? There was a time, and, and maybe you're going through a time right now. You may be praying for a loved one. You may be praying for a son or a daughter saying, God, generationally, I want to see my kid come back to you. I saw my parents pray that prayer for my oldest sister. She left our family and disowned us because she was going into a cult and she felt like where we were was going to take her away from serving Jesus. It was twisted. It was wrong. But she disowned our family when I was 12. When I was 17, my dad passed away. We called her up and said, would you come home for your father's funeral? She's like, he died to me five years ago. There's no reason to come home. It was heartbreaking. My dad died praying for his daughter, praying for this generational faithfulness, and he didn't see it. So does that mean it's not true? Does it mean if you're praying and you haven't seen God answer a prayer yet for for your loved one that it's not true? No, God's word is true. It's just our timetable. Our measuring stick of time looks different than his measuring stick. So now I'm, you know, older now. I was 17 when my dad died. 27 years after my sister went into to this cult, God brought her out. I got to see his faithfulness to the generations. My dad didn't get to see it. But like, isn't it incredible that we can see and know God's faithfulness, even though we may not see it personally, we can see it in what he does through lives of others and know that even in our prayer, even if you die praying a prayer, God is still faithful to his word. It's still going to come to pass. My mom got to see her daughter renewed and restored. My dad never saw it. The enemy wants to come. He wants to steal your worship. He wants to take, take that place. But don't let him. Right? There's always a little bit of truth to his lie. And then the rest of it's a lie. We've got to go back to what God's word says. And Now, here's the application. When we come into worship, when we come into God's presence, I feel like God has a place for all of us when we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. It's as if we focus in on who he is, the, the, the unfailing love of the Father, And everything else starts to get blurry. You know, and and now just think for a minute about what's happening in the church here in America. 
I, I almost wish for, for more persecution or more hardship because I think when you have hardship, you really start to understand this is what really matters. But no, we'll talk about mass policy, like that really matters. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about politics. We'll talk about social issues, race, gender, all these things that we go into. Is that really what matters? Is that what the church should be focused on? Or, or is it that we come into his presence and we're like, Jesus, what would Jesus do? He would love first. Jesus, I want to receive that love and I want nothing more than to know the gospel of Jesus Christ, him crucified. And I want to tell others the good news. Hey, if, if where you're at, Jesus died for you. He loves you. He wants you to come to him. He wants a personal relationship with you. That's the meaning of life. It's not in all these things that we search for. It's not in being right or wrong on all these issues. Like if the issues aren't what matter, it's Jesus that matters. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back and, and we're going to have a lab now for a minute, right? Did you ever go? I know when I studied engineering in school, we'd learn something in the class and then we'd go into the lab and we'd do it in practice, right? We're going to have one last song of worship. But here's, here's my goal. I want you to remember this picture. We're coming into worship not to tell God all of our issues and all of our problems. We're coming into worship just to focus in on who he is. And receive his love for us and, and adore him for his unfailing love, for his faithfulness to the generations, that all that he does is good. You know, you may have noticed sometimes when we're worshiping recently, the worship team just kind of pauses and they're playing, but they're not singing songs. Or maybe someone's singing and you're like, that's not the song, so the word that person's singing. Like, that's a time for us all to just enter in. And to say, God, like, I just want to praise you. I just want to worship you from my heart. I just want to adore who you are, Jesus. That's what it looks like to enter his, his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And as we do, my prayer is that everything else becomes blurry in life. God knows your problems. Believe me, he does. He wants to take care of them. And there's a place in prayer to bring you his problems. But we enter his gates with thanksgiving. We enter his courts with praise. So let's, let's all stand if we could. We're going to have one last song of worship and then I'll come back up.
1 Corinthians 14, Paul talks about a specific gift that the body receives. It's one of the gifts. It's a gift, though, that we sometimes put in the background because it's not comfortable for some. And Paul says this. He said, it is better to prophesy in our native tongue when people are here. But he said, forbid not to speak in tongues. 
So what we see in the New Testament, number of examples where God gives this ability to speak in another language. But here's what Paul said. He said, if you're going to do that in the church, you must be sure someone is there to interpret it. He said, I thank God that I pray in tongues more than any of you privately. But when you're in the church, someone should be there to interpret. While I was sitting there, our wonderful sound guy came down, as you maybe saw, hand me a mic and said, in case you need this. I thought, I'm not speaking today. What do I need? He's never done this before. Uh, and that's not what happened. I was, during praise, I just felt Lord had something to say to us. And uh, so, Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this gift that you've given us to bless your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So we said this was going to be a lab, right? I just want to pause for a minute and give a little more instruction. Ed came to me and said, Greg, I feel like God has given me a word in tongues, but I'm only going to speak if you feel like you have any interpretation. And I said, Ed, God's already putting something on my heart to share. And you know what? When I saw the sound guy give him the mic, I just kind of expected, I think Ed's going to have a word in tongues. Now, why, why does that happen? I don't know why that happens, but like that's sometimes how the Holy Spirit moves. And, and I, I think it's a word in tongues because there may be some of you here today that are like, does that really happen today? Is that real? And I think God just wanted us to know that, yes, it is real. So can we go back and just be quiet? I, I do feel like God gave me a word even before Ed told me that. I love you so much. I invite you into my presence I want you to come and commune with me. So often, you don't come. I'm alone, waiting. I'm inviting you again today to come into my presence. I'm inviting you today and every day to come into my presence. There's nothing that the enemy can lie to you about that can hold you back when you, when you look into, the, into my face and look into my eyes and see the love that I have for you, that I've died on the cross for you. I want you to be near. I want you in my presence. I want to fill you. Come be with me. So God, I, I thank you for that word, Jesus. Lord, would you help us respond today? personally, would you help us respond corporately, God? Lord, that each and every day could be a time of worship for us, Lord, that as we come into your presence, we, we are known by you, we're seen by you, Lord, and, and we're, we, we can just commune with you. We can be refreshed. We can have your peace. Lord, I pray that for each one of us today. And, you know, I, I just feel impressed to, to say this as we close the service. There may be someone here today that you know a lot about God. 
Maybe you've grown up in the church, you've, you've grown up coming to church, you've, you've heard a lot about God, but you don't know God. And you know what, today is a day that God wants to, to know and start a relationship with you. And I'm inviting you, come up after service, come talk with me, come talk with Pastor Ed, okay? So Father, I thank you for this Sunday. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in us as a church. God, we, we give you this day. Lord, would you bless your people Press down, shaken together, running over. Lord, I, I ask, God, that we would have times of, of communion with you this week that would be so meaningful, Lord, that only we see your love, Lord, everything else gets blurry. So bless your people, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. God bless you all. Thanks for being here. If you need prayer.